Hello and welcome to episode 122, I think, of the Tennis Podcast. My name is Nick and I'm your host. I'm Brandon and you are correct. It is episode 122. All right, nerd. This is the show where one of us bring a top 10-ish list on whatever we want. The other person does not know what that list is ahead of time and they try to guess numbers one through 10-ish. And Brandon, today... I hope you're ready to uh, sit back, relax, crap open a cold one, because we have a list I think you're going to enjoy. Is it a list of beers? Maybe. But before I get to that, uh, I did do a poll on my Twitter, at the TheNickAmel, and in that poll I asked my very loyal followers, what type of top tennis list do you want me to do next? I gave them four categories, something food-ish, geography-ish, internet-ish, true crime-ish. And so the listeners decided 42% voted something foodish. So that's what I brought. I did a top 10-ish list on something food related and that is beer. Hell yeah. Brandon, you like beer, right? Uh, yeah, I had a beer tonight. Yeah, well, I don't know if this is a good time or not to tell you this, but um, I've been meeting with your family. We're talking about getting an intervention together for you for <laughs> well, the beer. But it's not going to be much of one. I, th- I think I average about one beer every two weeks. Well, <laughs> but I'm still interested to hear how my addiction may have impacted you in the following ways. <laughs> uh, okay. What we're talking about is the best selling beer brands in the world, ranked by global market share. In the world. Okay. In the world. And there's 10 Which of these? Which is a key point. There's 10. You've definitely, I mean, everyone listening has heard of six to seven of these. Right. There's three to four that I might have to help you on. But for the most part, our listeners are going to be familiar with these brands. These are the top 10 beers in the world ranked on their global market share as of 2020. My source is Business Insider. I also pulled some stats from BeverageDaily.com, Wikipedia, and Ranker had a list of uh, people voted on their favorite beer based on like, you know, their favorite to drink. I have that today too. So, Brandon, why don't we start by you telling the folks at home, what is a beer? What's beer? You is take, that like, can I give my kids that? What is that? What's it's beer? It's an alcoholic drink. You take some barley hmm. and some hops. Hmm. I don't know what they are. I think it's like oats and little green sneaky things. And you do something with them and some yeast <laughs> okay. and you stick it in a, I don't know how to brew beer. And you stick it in a big tub, mm-hmm. maybe in your bathroom. Bathroom beer, okay. After a few weeks, you got beer. Uh, it tastes good and it'll make you feel good. It'll get you where you want to go. Or where you don't want to go, depending on, <laughs> depending on how you apply beer to your <laughs> <Jail>. life. <laughs> beer is brewed from cereal grains, most commonly from malted barley, though wheat, maize, and rice are also used. There's hops and shit too, like you said, because most, actually right here, most modern beer is brewed with hops which add bitterness and other flavors and act as a natural preservative and stabilizing agent. Mm-hmm. The folks at home might not realize this, but your boy don't really drink beer. I don't like, I'm not a beer guy. No. But not much of a cocktail guy either. It's more of a cock guy. I mean, I like plenty. I'm not really into cock, but I'm into tail. Am I right? Heyo. Yeah. Uh, well, even though I don't drink beer, I did find some uh, interesting tidbits about the history of beer, which I will sprinkle throughout here. And I'll start by saying that as of the 2000s, the brewing industry is a global business, mm-hmm. consists of several dominant multinational companies. In fact, there's about seven dominant companies that own like 90-something percent of all beer brands. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about that. As of 2017, the most recent year I could find, there uh, was $661 billion worth of beer sold around the world which is, you know, two or three tennis pod ad spots, at least. 
It's a lot of beer. Yeah. So, uh, why don't we stop fucking around here and why don't you give me a guess for one of the top 10 best-selling beer brands in the world? Is Heineken in the top 10? Because you said in the world and I wonder, mm-hmm. you know, if it's more popular, even more, more popular outside the U.S. It certainly is. It's number seven in the top 10. Heineken beer with a global market share of 1.5%, which tells you how many fucking beer brands there are. Uh, Yeah, like there's a handful. Number seven only has a one and a half percent market share in the world. So, it's number seven here, but on the ranker list, so ranker.com is a site that, you know, you put up a poll and a bunch of random people vote on it. So, 69,000 people voted on their favorite beer and Heineken was number one on that. Do you like Heineken beer? I do, although it depends on where I get it. If it comes from one of those liquor stores where it's stored anywhere where it gets hit with uh, sunlight, then I don't want to drink it because it gets... Because uh, you're a snob. No, because it's not stored in a dark bottle. It's stored in a light colored, uh, a green bottle. And if when it gets exposed to sunlight, it turns fucking skunky tasting. All right. So, I'm just going to mark down snob. That's just science. About Heineken, it was founded in 1864. In fact... I think first or second oldest beer in this list, 1864. Mm-hmm. It's founded by Gerald Heineken, listener of the show in Holland. The beer brand has built itself up by becoming one of the leading premium lagers in the market. And the beer's popularity is owed to its light, slightly sweet taste with an alcohol content of 5%. How does 5% strike you? Is that about normal? Yeah, it's about normal. And uh, James Bond drinks them in the commercial for Heineken. So, I guess that, that's why, one reason why I guessed it because James Bond is also very popular, you know, in England. Where they're stupider? No, just he must be selling, helping him sell that beer. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it is very popular in Europe. And dating back to 1997, oh, right here, I forgot I had this note, James Bond. Dating back to 1997, Heineken has had a long withstanding relationship with the Bond franchise, mm-hmm. consecutively being featured in seven of their films. And it's the brand's largest global marketing platform as of 2015. They use the Bond films more than they use anything else to get the word out about their beer. He's selling all the, that's how Mm -hmm. they're selling all the beer. See, I knew it. I knew it. But they're not doing great in 2021, actually, because in February of 2021, which is also the month we're recording this, they reported a loss of over $247 million last year. They better find that. And it's said that it's planning to cut 8,000 jobs are being cut to save $2.4 billion over the next two years. God damn. So, what do you think about your precious Heineken now? Well, it's because people can't go out and party. But they, well. I mean, they are anyway, but most people are, you know, there's a certain percentage of people who are not going out and partying. You know, I did not look this up, but I wonder what the difference in like uh, revenue is for beer brands on uh, like bars and restaurants versus... Like Bud Light uh, line is home. way up. <laughs> right, because some beers are going to be much more sold and popular at a bar or a mm-hmm. restaurant and some beers like your Bud Lights are going to be, you know, your dad's going to be drinking it on the weekends at home or Brandon. <laughs> or on the weeknights before he comes and uh, kicks apart the boombox in your room. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not a beer drinker. Mm-hmm. My dad was not a beer drinker. Never seen my dad drink a beer or my mom. So, it just never, it's just not part of my uh, upbringing. Please don't invite me over for 4th of July party. <laughs> it's not, yeah, there's, uh, for the beer drinkers in the world, you don't want to come to our 4th of July party. But we do have hot dogs, Brandon, so maybe you do want to come. Mm-mm. Well, that was number seven, Heineken. 
Give me another guess. How about um, Foster's? No, Foster's not in the top 10. What about Sapporo, a Japanese beer? Nope. No, I don't think there is any Japanese in the top 10 here. Okay. Have you tasted those or are you just aware of them? Yeah, I've, t- I've had all of those. Those tonight? are Tonight? I mean tonight. You've had them tonight? <laughs> yeah, I've had one of each of these tonight. Sapporo is a beer that you can usually get at like a sushi restaurant. And Foster's is fucking Australian for beer. Foster's comes in that like you can get a comically large can of Foster's beer. How about the original Coors, Coors Banquet, Cold Gold, Rocky Mountain Kool-Aid? Well, the only Coors in the... T- is that a real thing, Rocky Mountain Kool-Aid? The only Coors product in the top 10 is Coors Light. Yeah, that's a different beer. I was going to guess that next. Okay, well, that's the only Coors in here. It's How number about- 10, in fact. Oh, do you want, do you not yeah. want me to tell you about it? No, yeah, you're supposed to tell me about it, but yeah, I see like you're not, it's interesting that you don't really differentiate. You didn't, you don't, I don't think that you feel a big difference between Coors and Coors Light. Well, I mean, I know there's a difference. I know one is, you know, the low calorie version. It, but one is, is it? You know, I, do we know that's what, what it says? Oh, it does tout being of the lower calorie yeah. version. That's what it says here. I mean, I don't, I couldn't like bet my life on it, but it's what this says from Wikipedia. Okay. Coors Light's number 10. It's basically like Diet Coke to Coke, right? (laughs) Yeah, kind of, I guess. See, I know beer. Sure. I got this down. Coors Light's 10 with a 1.3% global market share and it's most popular in the US, UK, and Canada, but it's also been attempting to spread globally recently. It's a Canadian lager brand. It's light and refreshing, Brandon, with Mm -hmm. a 4% alcohol content. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it managed to ride the wave of an increasing focus on health from baby boomers when it relaunched in 1978. I think it's a good beer for shotgunning. It's a good beer for beer pong. It's a good beer for beer bongs. Is that because it has less alcohol content? No, I'd say it's because so it's uh, one might say lighter and one might also say watered down. Uh-huh. Because it's so watered down, it's nice and refreshing, you know, on like a hot mm. summer day. You can probably pound a bunch of those Coors Lights. Yeah. I don't know why like... And I'm, how many have you pounded down tonight? I don't know why I'm, I'm approaching this list like I would be, like a frat boy would, but I... <laughs> <laughs> pandemic has been, uh, you know, tough in that like obviously like everyone who is obeying or um, participating with quarantine rules, hasn't like hung out with their friends in a while. But you know on that King of the Hill when uh, Hank Hill and his friends just stand beside the Mm -hmm. fence and uh, uh, drink beer? I would Mm -hmm. like, I would kill to do that. But Brandon, some might say that you talking to me right now is the internet, you know, the the virtual equivalent. That's exactly what I don't fucking want. I've had enough of the virtual bullshit. We're distance, distance learning with beer, Brandon. I never thought I would say that I'm tired of distance. Instead, I want fucking, I mean, I don't want too close, but it wouldn't be bad to like bump an elbow once in a while. Well, you can just be like uh, most of Oklahoma and ignore the pandemic. Just go on just go on to your favorite bar whenever you're ready. Coors Light is the beer of someone who's ignoring the pandemic. <laughs> okay, well. Let me tell you about the history of Coors Light. In the 1940s, Coors Brewing Company introduced a beer called Coors Light that was lighter in body and calories, but it was discontinued during uh, the start of World War II. But after Miller Light was introduced in 1973, Coors Light was reintroduced in 1978. Coors Light has a cold certified label 
which turns the mountains on the label from white to blue when the beer's temperature is lowered to 39 degrees Fahrenheit or 4 degrees Celsius. Hell yeah. The technology for that, Brandon, how do they do it? I think it's the same thing as like a hypercolor t-shirt, isn't it? Except it's cold instead of hot. It's okay to just say, I don't know. Well, no, it was my, what I think. Hmm. I don't know. Okay, so I, you don't know, and then I get, I but say you're what the I beer think it is, and you're like, well, pff, that can't be it. <laughs> I thought you knew everything there was to know about beer. I don't know the fucking color-changing technology part. I know that when the mountains are blue, it's good for you. What if humans also turned blue or red? This I guess they technically do, right? Not, when, not, like, not an avenue I'm ready to go down. okay okay so that's Coors Light number 10 let me tell you a little bit about the history of beer okay it's the oldest and most widely consumed alcoholic drink in the world and the third most popular drink overall behind wine what water and tea (laughs) you fucking alcoholic so the earliest archaeological 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 evidence you fucked me up (laughs) I've been drinking Coors Light all night in preparation for this. The earliest archaeologic... Fuck it, fuck it. Evidence of fermentation consists of 13,000-year-old residues of a beer with the consistency of gruel... (laughs) They made bush light. ...used by semi-nomadic Natufians for ritual feasting in the mountains near Haifa in Israel. So, they found uh, basically beer residue, but with the consistency of gruel. What's gruel, Brandon? It's like shitty food. The, I think it's like looks like gray oatmeal. The first thought that came to my mind was um, what the, um, was it the hound in Game of Thrones? You know, the guy with the big scar on his face? Yeah. He, he eats gruel at some point. <laughs> yeah, he, everybody there <laughs> eats fucking gruel. They, and anybody who's not the king is eating gruel and they're covered in feces. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hell of a time to be alive. Well, beer is recorded in the written history of ancient Iraq and ancient Egypt and archaeologists speculate that beer was instrumental in the formation of civilizations. And approximately 5,000 years ago, workers in the city of modern-day Iraq were paid by their employees with volumes of beer. (laughs) And in fact, during the building of the Great Pyramids in Giza, Egypt, each worker got a daily ration of four to five liters of beer which served as both nutrition and refreshment that was crucial to the pyramids' construction. So, in a way, you could say that the pyramids pyramids were were built on beer. What do you have to say about that? You could say that. They were paid in beer. They weren't even paid in money or gold or, you know, rocks or whatever was around that in that time. Maybe instead of asking our Patreon members for cold hard cash every month, we just ask them for, you know, beer gruel. That they just ship in a FedEx every month. Uh, I guess they could ship that to your house. Hmm. Give me another guess. How about Miller Lite? Nope, no Miller Lite. No Miller of any kind in the top 10. Well, how about just regular old Bud Light? Bud Light is number three. BL rolling in at number three. Two and a half percent market share and it's the top ranking American beer brand. Oh, shit. There's a hint. What's your opinion of Bud Light? Would you take Bud Light or Coors Light first? Probably Bud Light, but they're so they're virtually identical to me. 
It, yeah, I was gonna. If they're in, um, if they're in blank cans, would you be able to even tell the difference? I don't know. I don't know if I would or not. I don't think so. Mm. But I feel like I would be able to pinpoint Coors Light, and then by virtue of the fact that I picked that one, the other one would have to be Bud Light. But I don't know. We can try it. We did, uh, we did uh, an experiment, a food experiment uh, in my house tonight. I had two frozen burgers and mm. I grilled one and my wife air fried the other with our new air fryer. And then I did a taste test. What is an air fryer? It's this, uh, this ninja foodie thing. It's a pressure cooker slash air fryer. Mm. Okay. And which one was better? The air fried one was actually better. But they, I said it was marginally better. Are they sponsoring us this week? They're not, but I was just super excited to do a food experiment tonight. Did everyone agree with you that the air fry version was better? No, I was the only one who ate it. Okay, well, this is a uh, very... But that's what we did. Hey, it's the pandemic and it was Thursday yeah. night. That's what we did with our Thursday night. We had a cheeseburger taste test. Cool. So, yeah, Bud Light is a beer. Bud Light is a beer and uh, it's, uh, Budweiser is more popular in the United States. Bud Light is actually more popular internationally, which surprised me. Bud Light seems like a very American thing. I would have thought so too. It first came out in 1982. Signature blue branded beer is brewed for longer than the original Budweiser. Contains less sugar, giving the beer a lower calorie amount and has an alcohol level of 4.2%. My last note on Bud Light is that if you were to combine all the Budweiser brands, which includes Bud Light, Budweiser, and others, BL Lime, it would be number one if you combine them all on this list. But separately, they're not. So, that's pretty fascinating. It's a good beer to take to the lake. I'll take your word on that. Uh, how about uh, uh, just uh, Bud Heavy, Budweiser? Is Bud Heavy your name for it or is that a thing? That's a common name for okay. it. Budweiser's number four, right behind Bud Light with a 2.3% global market share. Were you ready to like fucking attack me if I, if I was the one who called it Bud Heavy? No, I was just <laughs> curious because I'd never heard that. No, yeah, it's pretty common. I mean, I can attack you if you'd like. There's lots nope, of things I can attack. Don't do it. Okay. All right, I won't. I fucking bop you down like one of those little gopher game things. I just fucking bopped you down with my little <laughs> very soft hammer. We're going to be nice, cool, and Bud Light tonight with each other. Well, you, you tell me if this surprises you. I mentioned that ranker vote earlier where 69,000 people around the world voted on their favorite beer. Right. Number one was Heineken on that list. Budweiser's the second on that. Do you like Budweiser? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. I mean, I don't like, if I'm going to buy something to like store at my house in my beer fridge, it's not going to be Budweiser. But if someone says, would you like a ice cold Budweiser? The answer would be yes. Good to know. Budweiser is arguably the best known beer brand in the Anglosphere. Have you heard that fucking phrase before? The Anglosphere? Anglosphere? That sounds like white, like white people world? Yeah, white people world. <laughs> so, where the fuck is white people world? Is it... It's all around us. We're, we're stuck in it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, where, I, yeah, I guess where isn't white people world? Yeah. I don't know, but that's what Anglosphere sounds like to me. Yeah, whether you want to be in the Anglosphere or not, we all kind of are. Budweiser is a classic American lager known for its amber color and refreshing taste. Sounds like an opinion though, but presented as fact, what do I know? It was introduced into the U.S. in the mid-1800s by Anheuser-Busch after the brewery's founders observed the lager-making techniques that were popular in Europe. 
It has since spread to more than 80 markets worldwide, but did you know that in various markets across Europe, they are not allowed to use the name Budweiser due to a legal dispute with a Czech beer brand, Budjaveki Budvar, which also calls its beer Budweiser. And then those markets, Budweiser calls its beer Bud. Well, that's, just Bud. Yeah. That's, a, that's, uh, that's a, a good compromise. Yeah, very good compromise. That's no big deal. Mm-hmm. If I was the president of Budweiser, I'd be like, yeah, fine, guys. That's fine. We're fucking dominating and stomping your balls in every other country of the world. You can have this one. <laughs> In the Czech Republic. Yeah, you can have the fucking jack off Czech Republic. I don't care. <laughs> the Czech. <laughs> I would have been really dismissive when I had said they, they can use the Budweiser name. I'd have been like, yeah, fine, you piss ants. And then they <laughs> well, would have been like, maybe we don't want to use it. We love our Czech Republic listeners out there. Do we have any? I don't fucking know. You, you don't live in a jack off country. I don't know anything <laughs> about Czech Republic. You're great. I know I don't want to live there. Two more notes on Budweiser was that in America, the Budweiser parent company, Anheuser-Busch, has 51% market share of all beers in the United States. Yep. Budweiser has an ad budget of nearly $500 million just for Budweiser. $500 million a year, making it the most advertised drink brand of any kind of drink in America. Is there anybody who like still doesn't know about it? I don't know. But Budweiser, if you'd like to advertise on this show, yeah. hit us up. I'll... I will bend over backwards for you, Budweiser. Hey, one time I got a free uh, 30 pack of Budweiser. Why? Hey, young people out there who are hurting for cash and you need some beer money, you don't have any, pick a convenience store near you that has been shitty to you before. Maybe they were rude to you when you were checking out. All of them. Right. Any of them. Call Budweiser. You call them and you say that you bought a case of beer at this location and there was something wrong with it. Like all the beer was bad. It tasted like it had gone. Like gruel. Yeah, it's basically it turned into gruel. And the person on the other end of the phone says like, okay, sorry. And they definitely double check like the place where it was sold so they can like track, you know, that they got with what, like the serial number or something. No, you just tell them the place where you bought it. Oh, okay. Yeah, actually, maybe if you have that on the box, maybe they would ask for that now. But in this was in 2002, they didn't ask me that. We didn't even have internet or TVs back then. We had all that so, yeah. shit. And then, like, a few weeks later, they sent me a coupon that was good for a 30-pack of Budweiser. Huh. And a letter of apology, which we hung on the wall of our apartment. <laughs> well, they, they apologized for me buying a sub quality case of beer, which didn't actually happen. I just lied about. Wait a minute. But you can get free beer that way. Wait, so you lied about that? Yeah. Well, why did you, how did you even know to do this? I don't know. I just tried what it. What spurred this idea? Uh, someone else probably told me about it. You are a sociopath. You're dangerous to society. I only did it once. <sighs> There's probably Budweiser executives listening to us and they're going to shut that shit down. First thing they're going to do when they're done listening to this podcast is they're going to pick up their phone and they're going to call and say, no more free coupons. That idiot on the Tennis podcast ruined it. They're not listening. Uh, I did miss one note, and I'm curious on your take on this. In 2020, Budweiser introduced Bud Zero, which is its first alcohol-free, low-calorie beer. Zero sugar, mm-hmm. zero alcohol, and only 50 calories. Oh, there's no alcohol? So what is even the fucking point? There's no yeah, alcohol. I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't know. I haven't tried it, and I don't think I probably will. Yeah, I... I 
I don't understand. I mean, who is, who is in the market for a Budweiser with no alcohol? You know, the people who don't want alcohol in their beer will just not drink beer. <laughs> like, I, I don't get that. But somebody's buying it. Yes. I don't, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm done. I'm done. I'm ready for another vote. Or, uh, yes. How about Guinness? I was very surprised to see Guinness not crack the list. Oh, no. really? What about Harp? No. Okay. Um, Stella Artois? No. Newcastle? No. Fat Tire? <laughs> no. God damn. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think we might be out of... You've heard of some of these others, but they're not like American beers. Okay. Let me tell you some that are not in the top 10. You already said Guinness, Stella, uh, Miller, Corona, Sam Adams, Blue Moon, Dos Equis, Modelo. How do you say this? Michelob? Michelob. None of those are in the top 10. How about Kolsch? No. God damn. Okay, let me tell you a country. Brazil. Brazilian beer. Man, I have no idea. What about uh, Red Stripe? No. All right, the Brazilian beer is named after a bull. Toro? No. It is owned by Anheuser-Busch, the same. Fucking Ferdinand? <laughs> it's a Brahma. Brahma. Well, I've never heard of it. Number nine. Maybe they don't sell it here. Uh, it has a global market share of 1.5% and it's the number one beer in Brazil. Brahma like the rock, the Brahma bull? Yeah, like B-R-A-H-M-A, Brahma. Okay. Uh, and that's, uh, yeah, it's Brazil's top beer and it comes in two main variations. It's a pale lager, but it comes in Brahma with 4.3% alcohol and Brahma Chop with 5%. Everyone out there that's never tried Brahma, including you, you don't need to go try it because I'm going to explain how it tastes in such a way that you're, you are going to feel like you're drinking it right now. Okay. Everyone get ready. If you're driving, pull over. You can't drink and drive. Here we go. Taste of Brahma is described as the classic mouthfeel of a, yeah, mouthfeel, mouthfeel of a lager beer, strong body flavor, neutral aroma. Now, did that or did that not feel like you were fucking just taking a big old swig of Brahma beer? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, we're, we're good. Absolutely. Everyone from now on, if you're trying to quit drinking because you might have a drinking problem or your wife's nagging you about drinking, just listen to this podcast. And you can feel like you're drinking by my descriptions of beer. You're welcome. Yeah. Brahma, the beer that you just tasted through your ears, was founded way back in 1888 by Campinha Curaharia Brahma. But it is now owned by our overlords at Anheuser-Busch, who also own Budweiser and a bunch of other shit. Here's uh, some... There's always got to be a party pooper, right? And in this case, it is the Hindu people because they're saying that they want Brahma to remove the name, to change their name because Brahma is the name of a Hindu god and that the name of the beer is insulting to their religion. God, I mean, <laughs> like my, it's stupid, right? My opinion to like anybody's offense over the name of something unless it's like clearly, I don't know, like I guess I don't have a blanket statement for this but... Fuck off. These religious people need to understand that no a Satanist is going to break into your house holding a bottle of Brahma beer that they're going to kill you with and then sacrifice you to, you know. The rock. Yeah, the rock. Oh, fuck. But you know what? Shit, Brandon. If I was going to sacrifice somebody for someone, it might be the rock. 
All right, so that's number nine, Brahma. There's another beer that is big in Brazil. It's not a Brazilian beer, but it's popular in Brazil. You may have heard of this one. Let's see. The, the lager was created by a combination of British, Canadian, Swedish, and Belgian breweries in 1964 and has since become an international beer brand. Only 2.8% alcohol, making it the weakest on this list. Um, it's now one by Anheuser-Busch. Had you ever heard of this beer before? I feel like I have. Skoll. S-K-O-L. Skull. Uh, that's Skull. Let me see. Anyway, 2.1% global market share. It's number five. Let me look at the label. This does not look familiar to me at all. No, I've never had this beer. I mean, it looks like it might be okay. It's a lager and I like lagers, but no, I don't even recognize the label or the logo. Well, it's weird. Like, I mean, at least these other ones sound like Brahma sounds vaguely familiar, but no, I've never seen Skull in the liquor store here. I think probably our European listeners will have heard of it but not your uh, red, white, and blue ass. Yeah, I just don't think I've ever been exposed to it. Yeah. Not shitting on it. I just haven't ever seen it. That's okay. We don't want to shit on anyone's beer. Mm -mm. We're in it. Okay, so a lot of the rest of the top 10, Mm -hmm. you're not going to know. They're Chinese beers. Some of these, at least one of them, (laughs) at least one of them is in the US. Is there one that's brewed out of bats? (laughs) Out of bat gruel? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know any Chinese beer. I know that Japanese beer Sapporo, like off the top of my head, I've never had a Chinese beer. Okay. I didn't know that China was like a big beer drinking place. Oh, yeah. Number one is Chinese, a Chinese beer. Goddamn. Okay, let me, let me tell you about number eight. It's called Harbin. Have you heard of Harbin? H-A-R-B-I-N? No, and... For the record, I am extremely interested to try a Chinese beer now. I may like even go look to see if our liquor store, God, can you imagine the liquor store in our shitty suburb of Oklahoma carrying multiple Chinese beers? <laughs> I would love it and I would buy some to try them, but I don't know. Yeah. I will report back. I will, I will check it out this weekend, see if I can find a Chinese beer to try. Well, this is like the most Chinese beer, even though it's not number one. And the reason I say that is it's, it's so again, it's Harbin number eight, one and a half percent global market share. What's interesting is it's only sold at least primarily in one country and it still has one and a half percent of the global market share. Number yeah, eight. Yeah, it's just because China's so goddamn big. It uh, was founded in Harbin, China. So, it's named after the city in 1900. It has a 4.8 percent alcohol. The lager is the most popular in Northeast China, and like many of the other beers, it's now owned by fucking Anheuser-Busch. So, Anheuser-Busch owns all these Chinese beers too. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Which, like... That's concerning, right? They're like the Amazon of beer. Yeah, all that Monopoly stuff is... What a, like, a weird concept for your, like, your, your company to turn into, like, basically like an economic tumor. That just like grows and keeps consuming and consuming and growing and like it just can't stop. Like why can't you just say like, dude, we grew a huge beer company. We bought three or four other beers, got this whole line of sweet ass beers. We don't need any fucking Chinese beers on top of this. We're all rich already. And you're leaving money on the table, Brandon. Why do you need that money too? Because (laughs) it's never enough. Well... I think that's where me and the Anheuser-Busch's of the world differ. 
Because there definitely is enough that I wouldn't even fucking bother with anything remotely resembling work ever again. Man, you are going to get some hate fucking mail from all of our pro-capitalist listeners out there. Oh, well, sorry. I'm with you though. Like at some point it's like enough's enough. But uh, who's going to rein them in, you know? I don't know. Me. Just put (laughs) me in charge. I swear to God it'll all be fine. (laughs) Give me a chance. Okay, well, if you need a referral, don't come to me. Well, Harbin, the beer we're talking about, it's increased its annual beer production capacity to over 1 million tons and has become a giant in China's beer industry after its successful reform enlisting in the Hong Kong stock market. So, listen to this. In 1946, after the Soviet Red Army captured Manchuria, mm-hmm. company was controlled by the Soviet nationalists who called it Quillenstock Company Limited. This situation prevailed until 1950 when Stalin ordered the return of Chinese assets and ownership was returned to the Chinese government. Chinese renamed it Harbin Brewery and operated as a state-owned entity. The government owned this company for a long time. They, do they still own it? No, oh, Anheuser-Busch. No, they're just right, Anheuser-Busch they might it. have a, I don't know this, but they might have like a share in it still. Anheuser-Busch is in bed with the commies? I mean, you know it. So, there was famine in the 50s in China. And so, that drove Harbin to become the first beer to brew with corn instead of rice in 1959. And Brandon, we know how much you love corn. Uh, Actually, I was thinking the other day at the grocery store that like, man, I wish they did stuff like cook like, uh, have you ever had a grilled ear of corn where someone's like cooking Mm -hmm. outside? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then like dip it in a big thing like hot butter and stuff. Oh, baby. Why don't they do that at the grocery store? You get what are so you fucking fun- talking about? You buy the corn yourself and then you go home and do it. What do you... No. You want them to... That's, but I'm not thinking about corn until I go in the grocery store and I start smelling it and I see him cooking it and then I say like, I'd like one corn, please. And they say, nope, these aren't for sale, but you can go buy those corns over there for sale. And then I'm going to turn around and buy a shitload of corn and go home and make them. The thing is, you got to start cooking and making the smells and turning people on and then say like, you can go buy <laughs> your own. What the fuck is this? You, and you want people to put you in, in charge of companies with talk like this? The world. So, you want people to just sit around grocery stores, you want them to make the food just so the smell is in the store. Yeah. But that's just one food. All the smells are going to intermingle if you have different foods being cooked at the same time in one that's small okay. enclosed area. They okay. intermingle in your stomach when you eat them. Okay, but you're not even going to be able to pick out what smells what. You can't say, yeah. oh, there's the corn no, smell. The the melting pot is part of huh. the is the allure and you no. won't sell any of this food to the grocery store people to people shopping there you tell them turn around and go buy the food and you go home and make it no. the food that they make <laughs> instead of selling it they will give it to hobos and bums this sounds like a kramer scheme on seinfeld i'm gonna guess another beer i did want to say about the corn though you know you go to um the fair maybe they do this at the fair but like the fair or even like I don't know. Lots of places will sell like corn dogs and shit. They should sell, you know, this grilled corn slathered in butter like you're saying. Well, they do at like the fair, like at carnival type places. Yeah, right. And at um, the amusement park near Branson, Missouri, Silver Dollar City. You got to buy stock in Branson. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, right? Yes, I do. It's fucking awesome. And yeah, if you go there during the summer, there will be like this guy who's dressed like a an old mining prospector and he's out there grilling fresh corn and when you say I'd like one corn please he's like hold on a second chief bloop 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 dips that fucker in bucker and hands it to you 
And how would you feel if instead of handing it to you, he dipped in a butter and brought it out and you're thinking, oh good, he's about to hand it to me and he says, oh no, I'm just letting you smell it. Now go to your fucking grocery store and buy it. Because that's no, what you're... if I'm in the grocery store and I can just turn around and grab the <laughs> corn, then I'm not going to be that upset. It's a bad idea. I'm <laughs> just saying. Well, when I'm in charge of everything and you tell me that it's a bad idea, I'm going to have you put against the wall. <laughs> so we are in China then. So you're not going to be able to guess any Chinese beers then, huh? No. Sorry. All right. Well, <laughs> I think we might be only Chinese beers left, in fact. So why don't I tell you number six? It's Yanjing with 1.9% global market share. Number six, Yanjing. It's spelled Y-A-N. J-I-N-G. Just like it sounds. Yeah, just like it sounds. And it's the newest beer in the top 10. It wasn't created until 1980. And in 1995, it was given the honor of becoming the official beer of China. Oh, cool. Which meant it was served in the Great Hall of the People starting in February that year. So, you go to the Great Hall of People in China and they're serving uh, Yanjing beer there. I'm not drinking this Chinese beer. You don't need to because even without Brandon guzzling the beer, it's still number six. Love my Chinese people, hate my Chinese government. Huh. And I'm not drinking their official beer, their mind control beer. You don't love all Chinese people. You've made it very clear you're not a Jackie Chan fan. Yeah, fuck him too. <laughs> uh, well, Yanjing is number six. It is pale, comes with a thick head of white foam, has a faintly bittersweet flavor. And what else comes with a thick head of white foam Santa. is our Patreon. And I, I, w- I want to give a quick shout out because if you enjoy this episode, You'll probably enjoy our most recent bonus episode, which covered the top 10 soft drinks, sodas, Cokes, Pops, top 10 of those in the world. For all you fucking beverage lovers out there. Yeah. (laughs) So, we did cover that on a Patreon-only bonus episode. It's the most recent one. In fact, uh, I think it came out just a few days ago, but the time this you're listening to this. So, you should go check it out. It's uh, patreon.com slash tennis pod. Now, you can give me another guess, which... It probably doesn't exist yeah. since you don't know Chinese beers. Like I was going to say, uh, fucking, is there one called Hong Kong? <laughs> okay. Well, do we just have two and one? Wow. Okay. Getting through this quick today. Just like Brandon gets through those Coors Lights quick. Number two is Jingdao. <sighs> what? <laughs> what did you call me? <laughs> spelled... Watch your mouth, little boy. It's spelled T S I. N-G-T-A-O. Sing Tao with a T at the front. Sing Tao. 2.8% global market share. It's often served in 640 milliliter bottles along with a glass of ice. Common sight across China. It's glass a hoppy tasting. Yeah. Glass of ice? A bitch slap you whoa. straight whoa, whoa, whoa. out of your apron if you're the waiter who brings... <laughs> what a weird way to drink a beer. What do you want me to say? The Chinese, they do things differently than American people. Well. Sometimes. That's how it's served. It's served in a bottle with a glass of sorry ice. Sorry to get so Toby Keith on you, but that's a really weird way to, <laughs> to drink Toby a beer. Toby fucking Keith. <laughs> Are you going to put a boot in their ass? <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned Hong Kong. This beer was founded by German settlers mm-hmm. of Hong Kong in 1916. And from its inception, the beer has become focused on becoming an international brand. So, I think it... Uh, Oh, in fact, right here, in 1972, Qingdao was introduced to the U.S. where it became the highest selling Chinese beer in the country. So, this might be a beer you could find, Brandon. Oh, look for Qingdao. It's growing too in its market share uh, worldwide. So, yeah, number two 
on this list, but number one in America for Chinese beers, Ting Tao. Okay. And number one, this one, I feel like I've seen this logo when I looked at the label. So maybe you will know this one. It's called Snow. S-N-O-W, Snow. Just like the shit that we couldn't get enough of recently here with the fucking blizzard. Snow beer, okay. Yeah. Uh, have you heard of that one? Does the label look familiar? No, it doesn't. Okay, well, fuck you too. Snow and all the beers we've talked about so far have been in the ones and twos percent as far as market share. But Snow is 5.4% global market share. But uh, Snow is different than all the beers we've talked about because... Mm-hmm. It's made with cocaine in it. <laughs> yeah, well, despite sales being ex almost exclusive to just China, it's the top beer in the world. Uh, but its sales volumes have exploded by 573% over the last 10 years. The taste is described as, quote, very watery and highly carbonated by a beer website called Rate Beer. The beer has become popular in large part due to its low price. It sells at around a dollar oh. a liter in China. <laughs> it's cheap beer for like, for what sounds like potentially millions of just you know, just poor Chinese people who <laughs> need to get a cheap beer. Yeah. Oh, that's what a, what a bummer that is. This one's not served with a glass of ice. Yeah. That's why it's number one. The very watery tasting, highly carbonated tasting, $1 per liter beer called Snow. But Heineken did purchase a 40% stake into the company in 2018. No, so yeah, not because of the quality, just, you know, <laughs> we don't believe in the product. We believe in all the money you're making off of people who just can't afford a beer that they probably would like a lot better. Yeah. Well, well fuck you, Snow. I was going to mention about China. So, this is not Snow. This is just China in general. As of 2010, so a while ago, but beer consumption in China hit 450 million hectoliters or nearly twice that of the US. God damn. So, they're drinking beer twice as much in China. But listen to this. Only 5% of beers sold in China were premium draft beers. 5% of beers were draft mm -hmm. beers, whereas 50% in France and Germany are premium draft beers. Doesn't say what the US is, but... So, China likes their cheap beer. Well, they like their cheap beer in a bottle or a can. Yeah. In France and Germany, they like their beers, you know, socially, which mm -hmm. is the way I... Yeah, in China, uh, you're not allowed to leave your house. No, I... Even before the pandemic. I want to have my beer uh, socially also. I th also think most beer, most beer also tastes better from a tap. And it maybe tastes beer. better socially. Maybe the energy and the endorphins flowing from people. I am more likely to like order a beer or try a new beer if I'm hanging out with friends than I am if just buying one and coming home and sitting by myself. But we've already established. You don't need to go buy the beer and drink it, Brandon. I'll just explain how it tastes to you on this podcast. Well, pretty soon that might have to happen anyway because a recent and widely publicized study suggests that sudden decreases in barley production due to extreme drought and heat could in the future cause substantial volatility and availability for beer. Oh. So, there you go. Good news for people that are rooting for the downfall of the beer industry, I guess. We'll just switch to weed. Or Bud Zero. Budweiser will buy up a bunch of like weed products and, and then they'll just switch over. Yeah. Oh, I think uh, Anheuser-Busch owns like six or seven of the top 10 here. Well, I'll go back through the top 10 here in a second real quick, Brandon. I thought you could give a brief plug to your recent guest spot on Customers Also Watched. 
Oh, yeah. I was on uh, the podcast Customers Also Watched, hosted by a friend of our show, Erica. Podcast Customers Also Watch is based on like each movie that they watch, the next one they move on to has to come from the Customers Also Watched section below it on Amazon Prime. So Nick guested on there and did a movie called Lady Ice that sounded like true confusing dog shit. It was. And I did a movie called Fear City uh, from 1985, a neo-noir thriller set in a grimy 1985 Times Square, New York. It had tons of strippers and boobs. It had Tom Berenger and Melanie Griffith. And I had a great conversation with Erica. It was funny. She's bringing a surprise top 10 list on me. And you can catch that on Customers Also Watched starting March 9th. Yep. And this episode that you're listening to now comes out March 10th. So it should be available now. The March 9th episode of Customers Also Watched. Look for the episode called Fear City. All right, Brandon, let's go back through the top 10 best-selling beers in the world. Number 10, Coors Light. Number 9, Brahma, as in the beer brand that was secretly created just to mock the Hindu god Brahma. Uh-huh. Number 8 is Harbin, Chinese beer. Number 7 is Heineken. Number 6 is Yanjing, which is the official beer of China. It's very suspect, though, because it's so new. Yeah, it was created in 1980. I think it's being forced on people. Mm-hmm. Uh, five of Skull, which is another, uh, this one's actually Canadian, British, Swedish, Belgium brewery, so owned by Anheuser-Busch, though. Number four is Budweiser. Number three is Bud Light. Number two is Qingdao, which is the number one Chinese beer in America. And number one of all countries in all the world with over 5% global market share is Snow. We did it. Hooray. So, Brandon, which beer did I describe tasted best to your ears? Was it Bud Zero? Honestly, I really tried not to listen to your, wow. to your description part. Okay. Out of all the ones on the list, the one that I like the best to just like drink around the house or with pals, uh, probably Heineken. Well, that's what the voters said. Remember that uh, the voters on Ranker voted Heineken as the best tasting beer. They're not wrong. Who else is not wrong is our listeners who leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. Some of them are wrong. Well, the ones that say that Brandon needs to go are right. Objectively wrong. (laughs) Okay. Hot take. Well, Lee on Apple Podcasts has a hot take. He says, quote, this is a great podcast and defined is interesting to listen to. Okay. Well, thank you for associating (laughs) us with the dictionary definition. But I, I don't mean to pick on Lee here, but what makes it so funny to me is, you know, it's a very short and simple line. It does have defined in there instead of definitely, but it ends with an exclamation point. You know, he's very confident in his, exci- yeah. his or her, her excitement. So thank you, Lee, for the review. Podqueen42 on Apple Podcasts says, need a suggestion? Books, movies, music, a specific genre? Tennis solves that problem. They are funny and informative and never mean impressive considering they are a ranking podcast highly recommend anyone who wants a fun listen never mean brandon you're mean to me every episode i am absolutely never mean to you you uh, the opposite is true i've had like anti-bullying uh non-profit groups reach out to me to ask me if i need support and resources tell me who uh, those fucking nerds are i want to have a word with them <laughs> 
Brandon the Bully. Well, if you want me to read your review and uh, if you want to include any misspellings and have me read it and make fun of it, uh, just go to Apple Podcasts or you can go to podchaser.com. Rate us five stars and review us and I will read it on a future episode. Speaking of future episodes, we'll be back with a future episode next week. Although it won't be the future by the time you listen to it, it will be the present. And next week will be Brandon's List episode 123. Exactly right. So there's that. All right. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Thanks.